podcast, Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temme, and I'm joined by Joe Fawbush. Hey, everybody. Hey, Joe. And Andy Leonetti. Hey, folks. How's it going today? You know, it's going. We're finally getting some rain, so I can't complain too much. I'm really excited, because <laughs> today, once again, we're going to talk about sports. I don't know how we keep doing this. It's like you're trying to torture me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think the answer is pretty simple. If large sporting organizations weren't so hopelessly crappy, (laughs) we probably wouldn't have to talk about them. There would be less cause for sports and the law to, uh, to intersect. But it's because these organizations and leagues cannot stop stepping on rakes that we find ourselves here today. And the dumbest organization i guess if you're asking me um <laughs> i don't think i did ask you but go ahead <laughs> is the N- the ncaa and um i'm really excited to talk about this because as the ncaa has just over especially the course of our lifetimes but really more recently in the last 10 15 years in the era of um explosive uh tv revenues as, as the NCAA and their, quote, member institutions, meaning colleges and u- major colleges and universities, just bring in truckfuls and truckfuls of money, you know, billions and billions of dollars, and continue to share that largesse with everyone except the actual athletes providing the entertainment. Mm-hmm. The, the debate around athletes getting paid is only becoming hotter and hotter and... Last week, the Supreme Court did what I think is a uh, is a really awesome thing that I th- it seems like it's going to be starting maybe a uh, a domino effect. Am I right? Um, you know, as the non as the non the non lawyer, it's <laughs> the the ruling seemed kind of limited, but it seems like it portends greater greater things. Am I right on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, as as you guys have probably figured out, I'm not huge into sports i don't know if you picked up on that based on all my musical theater references but yeah it does seem like the writing is on the wall for the ncaa i mean at least in my opinion it seems like this is something that they could have gotten on board with a long time ago and been a part of the process but instead they just fought it tooth and nail and then just lost at almost every turn so well i think before we get into the case itself that that the SCOTUS recently decided we should mention that they've kind of lost the battle in the court of public opinion. Oh yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, former players, uh, the public in general, it's pretty hard to feel that sympathetic for the NCAA, which is a billion dollar organization. And it's Mm -hmm. all of these sports leagues, you know, it's hard to sympathize with the NFL uh, just because of all the damage that they've done to players. So yeah, these sports leagues, while we love them, we also love to hate them. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Joe, are you a, uh, a college sports fan, football, basketball, anything like that? Well, I did follow the Minnesota Gophers on occasion. Uh, that's kind of my team. But if you know anything about college sports, you know that they're not generally worth following. Uh <laughs> We we got it. We got a relatively new football coach who who seems to be doing a good job. So I'll I'll follow along. But 
Yeah, no, I'm more of a professional sports guy. Well, I am one of the 15 remaining University of Illinois football <laughs> fans. So, um, <laughs> so I feel so I feel the pain. Yeah, I, I think I paid attention for about 20 minutes when I was at the University of Minnesota Duluth and the men's hockey team was doing very, very well for several years. Still are. Yeah, I, yeah, they've always been good, but they were particularly good. Uh, the first couple years that I was there. And yeah, that was about it for me. <laughs> if we were recording in Alabama right now, we would be having a very different conversation, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we'd be talking about how we couldn't even have like grandma's funeral on a Saturday if there was a, ga- <laughs> if there was a, if there was a game that day, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Grandma would, want it. grandma would want us to wait. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And Joe, you bring up a really good point about the court of public opinion is that that's what's so hard about this is that the popularity of these sports is so huge and then the the athletes get nothing for it. I mean, they get something they do, but they don't get paid in the, you know, in the traditional sense. And that's really what all of this kind of comes down to, although the Supreme Court declined to explicitly comment on that issue although a lot of people are pointing to justice kavanaugh's concurring opinion as sort of a death knell for the current rules yeah i think we should get into the recent decision that scotus handed down and i do definitely want to talk about kavanaugh's concurring opinion because he brings up a lot of uh ramifications that could arise as a result of this opinion but the decision itself is is pretty narrow It involved whether student-athletes could get education-related benefits while they were attending school. So things like computers and what else could be an education-related benefit is kind of an open question from my understanding of it. But lawyers at the University of Alabama are already working hard (laughs) at figuring that out. (laughs) Can't you just see like a... uh, Alabama line of cars custom made for the players that have like their own Wi-Fi so that students can study while on the road or, you know. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling people are going to get a little creative with this. Yeah. The interpret. I just want to real quick talk about the interpretations of NCAA rules, because when I was prepping for this episode, I came across some some interesting stories regarding old rules that I wanted to share with you guys. I don't know the 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 audacity on this administrative body that had you know tied itself all up in knots over whether to offer condiments for breakfast foods at training sessions years ago. Yeah, I just I can't really take them seriously anymore <laughs> when they couldn't figure out whether they whether it was okay to offer athletes cream cheese for their bagel, <laughs> and then they just kind of backed themselves into a corner on these other arguably more important issues. Arguably. I don't know. You can't have a bagel without cream cheese. That's that's pretty vital. I mean, I guess you could put peanut butter on it, but that was also up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> Making Eric Crouch pay for a ham sandwich that he got. It's like, come on. Yes. Yeah, that's a great one. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, earlier this decade, there were three members of the Oklahoma Sooners football team. Oh, yeah, the pasta guys. The, pa- the pasta incident that the, the, the <laughs> yeah. university freaked out. And self-reported a violation to the NCAA that these three players had eaten uh, too much pasta 
at a yeah. at a banquet. And while the NCAA said that those players didn't <laughs> violate any rules, all three players did have to donate three dollars and eighty three cents to charity. The yeah. amount of I, the uh, excess pasta that they. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing that I saw about that story is one of the players. It kind of self self identified on Twitter and said. We actually all donated $5 because we ate a lot of pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Upstanding young men. Yeah. Forgive me if I have a hard time taking the NCAA seriously in all of this. (laughs) Yes. So back to the case. (laughs) Sorry. Back to the case. (laughs) Well, you know, actually there, there isn't too much to the case. It was another unanimous opinion. Uh, The Supreme court has really been fond of issuing unanimous opinions this term which is mm-hmm. nice to see actually um yeah yeah the kumbaya court yeah <laughs> is that what roberts is going for now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh you know the case was about a it was an allegation that the ncaa was violating the sherman act uh another otherwise known as antitrust laws uh by prohibiting players from receiving these education related benefits and the Supreme Court agreed with both the District Court and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in holding that this rule was, in fact, anti-competitive and did violate the Sherman Act. They kind of got into whether the so-called rule of reason was appropriate. This is a standard that courts use to judge whether a certain uh, business practice is anti-competitive or not. And basically, they just kind of went down the list of reasons why the NCAA argued that it deserved either special status under the Sherman Act or a list of reasons of why its its uh, rules did not violate the act. And the Supreme Court basically threw them all out and said, no, the, the, the district court was right, um, you know. You don't you don't get special status. We all know what a big deal March Madness is. We all know what a big deal those college football championships are. Um, and you know you you can't even consistently define what it means to be an amateur. NCAA mm-hmm. is basically what they wrote. And but however you define it, they're not really amateurs, and the rule right. applies. And now players and their colleges are free to give them a little extra here and there if it's in the furtherance of their education. Yeah, because right now the 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 limit on a on an on an athletics an athletic scholarship that a lot of especially football and basketball in women's sports, volleyball, soccer, um, a lot of the, what these athletes get. It's it's still kind of limited in what the school can provide as part of that scholarship. Mm-hmm. Their their compensate their their quote you know compensation mm-hmm. yeah. that they get. Yep. And so something like hey you need a computer mm-hmm. to function in the twenty first century. <laughs> you know especially if you're a college student attending classes, which for the sake of this argument, let's pretend the athletes are all <laughs> attending classes. I mean, um, I'm glad that you said it because I was about to sound uh, like a real arts, like a real arts kid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember seeing the, seeing the college athletes in my classes very often. We've all witnessed it. We all know it's true. No matter what the super fans of some schools like to say. Um, yeah. 
that a school not being able to provide something like a computer to a student athlete who comes from a poor background and doesn't come from, Mm -hmm. you know, an athlete who may not have been able to go to college were it not for an athletic scholarship. Right. But all of a sudden doesn't have a lot of money for all of the other incidentals, Mm -hmm. even academic related incidentals. And at this point, I would consider a computer an incidental. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's not like. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure some student athletes can get part time jobs, but you know, if you're playing football or basketball, you're talking about 40 or 50 hours a week that you're training mm-hmm. in the gym, you're practicing, you're going to games, you're traveling for games. So, mm-hmm. th- you know, you, yeah, it's basically a job. <laughs> I will say that your, your earnings are also extremely, it, it's only been this century that uh, athletes have been able to have part time jobs too. Wow. And still, it's not just you can't just go sell cars if you want to and make fat commissions if you're really good at it. Your your ability to earn yeah. is, is limited. Yeah, the concern there is that mm-hmm. star quarterback will go to the nearby car dealership and then, uh, you know, hey, we have star quarterback here. Come meet the star quarterback and buy a car. And then there's, you know, kind of. Yeah, there there are a lot of rules and there are a lot of people who can find ways to skirt those rules. So that's kind of been going on for as long as we've had a billion dollar college sports industry. But Laura, you brought up Kavanaugh's concurring opinion. And I did want to make sure that we talked about that before we moved on too far, because Mm -hmm. Kavanaugh basically said, yeah, I agree with everything everybody else said. It's a great opinion. And as Kavanaugh in particular is want to do, he kind of threw out like a, hey, also for people who are reading this, if you want to bring up a case that involves this legal <laughs> issue, well, I yeah. think that would be grand. And uh, yeah, he, he kind of threw that yeah. out there that, um, you know, even though the opinion itself is pretty narrow and just involves education related benefits, he was kind of suggesting that under the standard that they used in this case, the standard that the NCAA uses on uh, prohibiting college athletes from getting paid is also anti-competitive. And uh, anybody who's reading that, he made it pretty clear that they would have one justice on their side if they decided to raise that issue and it got to the Supreme Court. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the part that stood out the most to me, I have it here to quote, uh, he wrote, nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. <laughs> I was like, oh, Kavanaugh. <laughs> like, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, the guy can turn a phrase, whether you like him or not. Yeah, you, yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of those things, especially now in 2021, when you look at the salaries that some of the highest paid college football and college basket college basketball coaches are making. Oh yeah. Um, in many cases, making more than their NFL and NBA counterparts. Mm-hmm. And then you have to worry about whether or not a player is taking too many buttered noodles <laughs> at a at a buffet. But but Dabo Swinney can put a a second helipad on his at his mansion if he wants to. And da- and and special shout out to Dabo Swinney too, who one of the highest two highest paid coaches in college football who will never fail, though, to tell you why it is so important that his players do not get paid. (laughs) Also, how do you put a price on the godhood status that follows some of these head football and head basketball coaches? Mike Mike Krzyzewski has uh, basically 
taken over parts of of Duke and you know Nick Saban is uh treated like royalty wherever he goes Tom Izzo these guys have it pretty good having some of their players get a little bit too doesn't strike me as the worst thing in the world yeah and so that uh there's there's also another brewing debate around another form of college athlete compensation this is what's commonly referred this is what's referred to as name image and likeness Mm -hmm. this is this is another way of people who want athletes to get some money maybe whether it just be for their school of choice to have a competitive advantage in sports. Any, it's another way to be like, hey, we're not going to pay you a salary, but here's a way that you can make money. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, this name image likeness movement is gathering a ton of steam. Essentially what it is, is it allows the athletes to earn money from like endorsement deals, sponsorships, selling autographs, uh, selling memorabilia, uh, much like pro athletes do. Mm-hmm. So I think in short, what it means in the in is you're going to see a lot of big name college football and basketball players hawking stuff on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then for the players who are good on these big teams, but are not household names nationwide, you know, the way some college athletes are able to kind of capture the zeitgeist, you'll have these guys, mm-hmm. you know, doing TV commercials for the local Mexican restaurant in the uni- in 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 the college town, <laughs> yeah, or the car dealer, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what has happened with name, image, and likeness is that the NCAA has kind of picked up on this debate, but in their failure to act, uh, in their typical foot dragging fashion, <laughs> what has happened is that some enterprising lawmakers at the state level in states where we'll just note that college football is very important <laughs> have <laughs> have crafted legislation and passed it and mm-hmm. had it signed into law and what most of these bills do is they restrict these name image likeness payments from third parties only meaning students can't get paid directly by the university the conference or the ncaa and that these deals cannot be directly tied to production or to in- induce a recruit mm-hmm. signing with the school from boosters you know a booster can't say sure well you threw six interceptions on saturday <laughs> so sorry this contract is now null and void you can't sure. you can't do that you have to like contract law is going to protect these players rights to earn the money that they Mm -hmm. agreed to again i'm not alleging you know a pattern here but oklahoma and nebraska already have laws that have been enacted but they have not gone into effect yet but they can go into effect at any time Mm -hmm. and then on july 1st of this year we had bills go into effect in alabama florida georgia mississippi new mexico and Texas. And an executive order from Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir also went into effect on July 1st. So, you know, shout out to New Mexico, too, though, for for, for, for trying to get yeah, for getting on this bandwagon. All the most yeah. prestigious programs in the country and New Mexico. Oh, don't pick on New Mexico. You got to get those New Mexico Lobos back to back to prominence. Well, and, you know, I, I was when I was researching about this, I did see that there have been bills introduced or there are some that are even just waiting on a governor's yes. signature in 21 other states. Yes. 
Yep. Um, so this is definitely picking up steam. 20 states that have enacted these laws, although many of them don't come into effect for a few years. It's these the ones in mm-hmm. this group of states that are going into effect, that have, that have gone into effect this month, the big change. In California, though, California already had a law that was set to go into effect on January 1st, 2023, although state lawmakers mm-hmm. now you know, worried about the USC and UCLA football programs <laughs> are trying to move up the date of their law to September 1st of this year. And yeah, there are several other states where it's just awaiting the governor's signature. Mm-hmm. Well, haven't there also been a whole bunch of federal laws introduced about this? I don't know how successful any of them have been, but there seems to be at least some traction there. Yeah. Uh, what has been going on in Congress is that there have been a handful of bills introduced by both members of the House and Senate, and they all kind of address this in different ways. Some allow players to sign contracts before they uh, enroll in college. Some don't. Some restrict it to, you know, first day of school. Some require players to report all of their money that they're earning to the university, and thus the university will report to the NCAA. Um, Others don't. Lawmakers who have been kind of out front on the issue, off the top of my head, who I can think of, uh, for Democrats, it's uh, Senators Cory Booker of New Jersey and Chris Murphy of Connecticut. Uh, Republican Republican Senator Roger Wicker of of Mississippi. But then what's what's happening, what the NCAA is counting on, is that they really want Congress to pass a bill that will override all of these state laws and exempt the NCAA from antitrust lawsuits. Mm -hmm. That's what the NCAA is looking for. Yeah. Because right now they are scrambling, the NCAA is scrambling to put rules into place on name image likeness because Mm -hmm. these state lawmakers have all effectively said, we're not waiting for you. Yeah. Because what's happened is now is that there is a vastly uneven playing field. If you care about the the competitiveness aspect of, of college sports. Um, so what the NCAA, because these idiots can't decide what they want to do because, because they're nat- because they're natural, because their natural instinct is to hoard all the money for themselves and not the, and not the yeah. athletes. So they can't even just the, the behavior you'd expect from a nonprofit, you know? Yeah. So they've been, they've been, they've been, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to remind everyone that the NCAA is a nonprofit. They have been. <laughs> They have been unable to craft a rule, too. Mm-hmm. And so what they're doing is they are going to rush at, they are rushing out a essentially what amounts to a policy stance that instructs the member schools in these states where laws have already gone into effect to follow those new laws and then allow schools in all the other states to essentially decide for themselves what to do on name, image and likeness benefits. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, they, they're, they're unable to come up with a rule unless it's overly complex and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so now the gray is, so now the gray area is going to weigh, is going to, is going to, is going to weigh, weigh in on this issue to the benefit of athletes. I think I, there might be like, who knows if like the Ivy league will band together and be like, well, our athletes aren't going to 
get to do the get to get to plug the local car dealership and then you know university of nebraska is going to be like well that's cute all right yeah <laughs> good, good, good for you guys <laughs> i was just gonna say that uh i do want to bring up a counterpoint just to make sure that our you you know the countervailing argument for the anti-competitive nature about name image and likeness as we established I'm a Gopher fan. Andy, you're a Illinois fan. And if we were a five-star recruit coming out of high school and we were given the choice between, um, you know, Alabama or USC or another prestigious program, Clemson, something like that, or the University of Illinois or the University of Minnesota and name, image, and likeness is in place, boy, is it more tempting for me a young kid with no other access to income to go someplace where I'm going to get all those deals. You know, it's like, Hey, you can come to Minnesota and get mm-hmm. uh, $10,000 for your, you know, local car dealership, or you can go to Alabama and get 50,000. Yeah. I'm probably going to go to Alabama. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there are, there are competitive considerations. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I have to, I have to, I have to stop you here <laughs> because despite <laughs> A decade and more of futility from University of Illinois football and basketball until this last year with basketball again, assuming our rightful place in the elite programs. <laughs> University of Illinois fans drove a just bonkers amount of social media engagements. Yeah, over the last uh, couple of years, when tracking that inter- when tracking interactions on Instagram and Twitter. And Facebook, University of Illinois fans are some of the most avid social media engagers. Okay. Which could pose an opportunity for mm-hmm. new recruits who want to Absolutely. have a fertile, fertile uh, advertising base. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring up a good, a good point mm-hmm. because some of this is just a new type of recruiting problem, which has been the case you know, forever. I mean, if we were talking about two decades ago, it would have been look at our cool new stadium with all the latest amenities in our locker room mm-hmm. and our, you know, world-class workout room and all that sort of stuff. And $18 sodas for the fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so now, now maybe it is more just a, a, a game evolution. That's kind of natural. And on the plus side, some, players actually get paid for their work. Yeah, you know what's actually going to happen is a lot of these guys are just going to become like Twitch streamers or something and <laughs> mm-hmm. they're going to be in, they're going to be Instagram influencers. Yeah, and it's just going to uh, and and I'm going to go back really quickly to not wanting players to get any money. <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually, I don't know if you guys saw this, but a couple days after the Supreme Court's decision came out, um, a US district court judge who I believe presided over some of the previous antitrust cases involving the NCAA in a new class action. The NCAA had requested to have a whole bunch of claims dismissed that sought to eliminate NCAA rules regarding name image likeness. And the judge said, nope, we're going to keep those claims. We're going to let this go forward. So it seems very likely that that issue is going to make it pretty far as well if not all the way to the supreme court i yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't count on it doesn't seem 
that any effort in Congress to actually get like bipartisan agreement in the U.S. Senate. Oh, there's that theme again, mm-hmm. folks. Um, <laughs> the world's greatest yeah, body. Yeah, to, to actually coalesce around any legislation that actually respects athletes' rights while to, ma- mm-hmm. to make money while also kind of insulating the NCAA. It doesn't seem like it. it's close to happening. Senator Maria Cantwell of Washington, Democrat of Washington, who's head of the Senate Commerce Committee, which kind of has uh, jurisdiction over this issue, um, had been hoping to get something done by July 4th. Uh, That's not going to happen. She had announced a series of hearings and uh, her and Roger Wicker, who I mentioned before, who's the ranking member of that committee, were kind of just already got into some kind of kerfuffle kerfuffle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> over witnesses and who to hear from and yada, yada, yada. And so I don't think Congress is going to be writing to the NCAA's rescue anytime soon, <laughs> which seems like Brett Kavanaugh maybe maybe just ready to strike again. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that case in pr- that class action case in particular, brought up a really good point that I hadn't thought about. One of the representative plaintiffs in that case is a swimmer from Arizona State, and he brought up that the NCAA rules put athletes who want to go to the Olympics at a huge disadvantage because to go to the Olympics, you pretty much have to have endorsements to pay for the competition and for training. Yeah. But if college athletes can't get those endorsements, they might not be able to get to that level that they're trying to get to. So, yeah, I was just to say we aren't just talking about, you know, big time football and basketball players here. Yeah, this this has been a really interesting discussion and I'm I'm surprised at how much fun I had talking about sports here because as you guys know, it's not really my primary interest in life, but I do feel like I have to balance out my sports talk with a reference to musical theater. So, here we go. As James Marsden said in Hairspray, this is all where it's headed anyway, and you can either fight it or rock out to it. And the NCAA is definitely not rocking out to it, but it seems that doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a bit of a stretch, but I'll allow it. That was, I know, that but I'm good. doing it anyway. No, yeah, I, just, we, I had we'll to. Allow it. I had to. <laughs> NCAA might not allow it, but we'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Just don't eat too much pasta. <laughs> and that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Check the show notes for related content. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at findlawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com. Joe, you look like you're having the perfect day. It's rainbows, sunshine, and unicorns (laughs) over here. That's always good to hear.